All right, so today I changed up a little bit what uh, I was going to talk about. Or I, hopefully I didn't change it up. Hopefully I was led to change it up. But um, I'm not really even sure how it's going to end. Because I had this really cool message planned out. And, and hopefully I'll get to share it next week because it was going to be fun. And it was talking about the arrow and and striking my last arrow, and it was a cool message. But I don't get to tell it. So I'm going to tell you all something else that I've been studying and working on and saving and applying to my life. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that we're about to talk about and a lot of the information that I'm about to give you and stuff is going to be like, yeah, I knew that, but, and probably a lot of it won't be, but I feel like it can change the way you live and change the way you think about a lot of different areas of your life. But more than that, it'll change the future for you. It'll change the future for me. Um, so today, I'm going to start out by talking to you about the most valuable thing that you have. They're not your kids, it's not your money, it's not your car. The most valuable thing that you have is time. You, you can't get any more. You, I mean, you don't just run out and run down here to Walmart and pick up another box of it. You don't get more time. You can lose all your money and you can get more money. I've been told. I ain't figured out how to do that yet, but you can. All right. You can, but you can't go get more time. And either you're going to spend it or waste it or invest it. Every single day, you got 24 hours that you're spending, wasting, investing. What do you do with it? If I spend money on something or if I'm investing in something, you know, that means I have something to show for it. So if I'm investing my time, if I'm spending my time on the right things, then I'm going to have stuff in my life, in my character, in, in, in my brain, in who I am, whatever it is that I'm choosing to invest in. If I'm investing my time at the gym, then I'm going to have something in the natural to show for it on my body. If I'm investing my time in books, I'm going to have a degree or you understand whatever it is that you're investing. If you're spending or investing, you should have something to show for it. Now, if you're just wasting it, then you don't have anything to show for it. So what is the result of your time? You have time. We all have the same amount of time. Think about your life. What are the results? What have you spent your time on? Where, where have you invested? Do you create or consume? The majority of the time. Are you creating the life that you want? Are you creating things? Are you building or are you just consuming? To consume is all selfish consumption is that sin that's the sin nature is it's all about me what feels good what i want what i want to do i'm going to consume what can you do for me what can i get out of that what can 
But see, we're created in the image of God, who is the creator. And he spoke everything into existence with his voice. And then the one thing that he bent down on his knees in the dirt and he formed with his hands was Adam. And he put his lips on the lips of that man that he created and he blew in the breath of life. The spirit, the wind of God, the breath of God, the creative breath. It's all the same word used in the Bible. He breathed that into us. The creative breath is inside of us. So if we want to look like God, we want to look like our dad, who is the ultimate creator, we should be creating daily. We should be building things with our words and with our thoughts and with our hands and with our action. We should be, we should be creating more than we consume. So we should leave the world a better place than it was when we came. We should leave our families just from spending time. If I spend five hours at my house, I should leave my house better than before that five hours. And I'm not just talking about in the natural like I fixed the baseboard that has been falling off for the last six months. I'm talking about yeah, that can be part of it. Yeah, I can leave it better naturally. But the atmosphere that I set, the words that I spoke into my kids in those five hours, the, the discussions that I had with my wife, strengthening our relationship, the, I should leave everywhere I go, I want to create, not just consume, not just look for what I want, what can I get out of these next five hours? What Are you consuming more than you create? Are you wasting time? Some of you are stuck. You're stuck somewhere in time. Somewhere back there. Somewhere back there. Where you got hurt or broken or where that abuse took place or whatever it was and you never found healing and so you spend your whole entire life looking backwards. It's really hard to move forward at any kind of pace. You keep looking back. Never seen, I saw somebody in Carrollton the other day, um, and she was walking down the sidewalk, texting. You've seen people do that, staring at her phone, texting. And she ran into this concrete pillars in front of the gym, in front of Club Fitness. There's these concrete pillars. And she was walking, and she was walking pretty fast. And looking at her phone, and when I looked up, I saw the phone just kind of, and then, you know, how she just looks around and tried to, like, play it off like it. It's really hard to focus on where you're going or where you want to go or where God's called you to go. If, if you're distracted or you're looking at something else, or you're looking behind you, you're looking all, you're looking all around. Remember Ephesians 6. 10 through 18 is where uh, Paul, Paul instructs us to put on the full armor of God. So we've talked a lot about that and the helmet of salvation and knowing that I'm okay. It's not about me and what I can do. And, and, and the sword, we talked a lot about the sword being the word of God and that the sword is the only offensive weapon. But when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about all the different pieces of armor and there's nothing that covers your back. There's no protection for your back. Why? Because I'm never called to run. I'm never called to walk into what God has called me to like this. 
if you can see my back, I'm dead or I'm running. Neither are good. I don't want to run from challenges. I don't want to run from what God's called me to. I don't, I don't want to run away. And I sure, I don't want to be dead. Because then I'm out of time. And this is a pointless discussion. Don't run away. You were never meant to run. You're playing offense. Advance. So are you wasting time? Find your passion and invest. Create. What is it that God's placed in you? What are you passionate about? What moves you? Find that and pour into it. Check this out. Just to give you kind of a visual, because I'm pretty visual being left-handed and so many years in children's church. We all have... 24 hours a day. Time is the great equalizer. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter if it, we all have the same amount of time today. We all have 24 hours. It just depends on how we want to spend it. So this right here is 24 $1 bills. I had to borrow this this morning. All right. Uh, 24 $1 bills. So each dollar represents one hour. And every day you wake up. So we think, well, I got 24 hours. I got plenty of time. I do whatever I need to do. Okay, check this out. All right. You're supposed to get eight hours sleep. I looked at a lot of studies. Some of you may argue. Now, back before the genius made electricity, the average American got 10 and a half hours sleep. Now, in 2018, uh, this is 2019. I understand that, but the study was done in 2018. So, in 2018, uh, the average American got six hours and 51 minutes sleep a night, and it's not enough. You're supposed to get eight hours sleep, and if you're an athlete or somebody that's exerting lots of physical uh, energy or whatever, you're supposed to get around eight and a half, is what the experts say. So, we'll say... To be powerful, to be what God wants you to be, and to be effective, to be the most effective that you can be in your life and on your job and as a father and as a husband and a mother and a wife and everything, you're supposed to get eight hours sleep, all right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I just spent eight of my $24 on sleep. Wait a minute. Now, we're instructed in Scripture, and to do what we're called to do, we're supposed to work. You're supposed to work a job. If you don't work, you don't eat, right? So most of us would work at least eight hours, or the commute time could be even more. Some of us work 10 or 12 hours. I think some of us make up for others. But anyways, let's just say for an average, you worked eight hours. I've only got $8 left after work and sleep. I didn't even add in eating, going to the bathroom, shaving. What I mean, 
there are all kind of other little things that we're going to do that's going to take up some of this time, but you've only got $8 left. What, what do you spend it on every day? Do your kids get a dollar? Do your, does, if you're married, does your spouse get any of those dollars on a regular basis? What are you spending? What are you investing? You only have eight. Now, the average, now you might say, oh, no, no, me, I don't do that. Okay, well, this isn't, we're going on averages here, all right? So, the average American spends three and a half hours a day on their cell phone. Average. Three and a half. So, take another three of them eight dollars, three and a half dollars, you're running out of time. Now, the crazy thing about that is uh, it's three and a half hours a day on their phone, but if you do overall screen time, which includes tablets, TV, computer, and your cell phone, the average American is over 10 hours a day screen time. Average. So, you, that's because we only sleep six hours. You sleep six, you're on a screen for ten. What, you work a job? Maybe. Hmm. All right, so forget the ten-hour thing. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about the three and a half hours. That's 1,274 hours per year the average American stares at their cell phone. Over a span of time, eight years long, that is 10,192 hours you've spent staring at your cell phone. Over 10,000 hours in eight years. Oh, well, guess what? You know what they say. If you spend 10,000 hours on something, focused energy and effort on something, after 10,000 hours, you become a professional at that. You're a professional at working your smartphone. Well, congratulations. It also takes eight years, and you could be a professional doctor and perform surgeries on people. With over 10,000 hours worth of practice and schooling and learning. If you chose to spend three and a half hours a day working on that, you'd be a pro. You could be a professional at whatever you wanted if you focused the time. Want to play an instrument? Want to fill in the blank? What do you spend your time on? What do you want? Where do you want to be five years from now? I should have preached this message last year because I could have said, like, where do you want to be in 2023? Five years. Where do you want to be in 2024? Five years from now. Well, I just don't have time. We all have time. You make time for what's important to you. You do. I mean, nowadays, for some reason, it's become the cool thing to just be busy. 
How you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to turn around. Well, you chose all that. I mean, you make time for what's important. We all have 24 hours a day. It's the great equalizer. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I wish I was in better shape. Do you? Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I wish I could play the guitar. Do you? Take about 10,000 hours of practice. I was about to say you could be as good as Tracy, but maybe not. But the reality is, hey, Tracy's an awesome guitar player, one of the best guitar players I know. Guess what? He's probably practiced, who knows how many, I don't know, it's way over 10,000 hours. He's done consistently what most people do occasionally. Look at Romans 13, 11. We'll drag the Bible into it. So y'all, that's just not my opinion. It's the opinion of some old dead dudes. All right. Romans, <laughs> the Bible. Kidding. Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time, that's what we're talking about, time. That now is high time to awake out of sleep. He's saying, wake up. Hey, Jesus came back. You're set free. You're, it's time to wake up. Stop wasting time. Some of y'all are just going through the motions, and that's not a bad thing if you're going through the right motions. We get stuck. No, I heard that. I heard that Justin Bieber is being sued by his ex bodyguard because Justin beat him up. There's so many things wrong with that, but I don't know how you get a job as a professional bodyguard if Justin Bieber can beat you up. Just popped in my mind. Doesn't go with the message. All right. <laughs> no, it, it does. Who's hiring a bodyguard that Justin can beat up? Some of y'all are stuck in jobs that you're not good at. But you're not doing anything different. You're not doing anything to change that. You're not sacrificing the time. You're not setting up new habits or systems to become who you want to be or be where you want to be. You won't get help. So here's a word for somebody. The time is short. The time is valuable. The time is now. It's short. It's valuable, and it's now. Stop waiting. Stop putting it off. The time is now. We know you're good at running. You've proven that to us. Won't you plant your feet and fight for once? Show us you can do that.
fight for something. Something you believe in. Something you're passionate about. Fight for it. It's time to wake up. For now is our salvation. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Time flies. It goes so fast. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. That's pretty cool. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul said, stop providing for the flesh or what feels good in the moment. That's consumption. We create Awake and in the light. You don't create when you're asleep. You don't create when you're in the dark. You can't see. The things you create will be distorted. You dream when you're asleep. It's okay to dream, but the dream's going to look different when it's birthed. When it's walked out. You don't create when you're asleep. You don't create when you're in the dark. Wake up. The time for dreaming's over. The time is now. It's time to create. Awake and in the light. Look at how the message words that Romans thirteen eleven that I just that I just read you. Look how um, Eugene Peterson put it in the Message Bible. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted. Doesn't that sound like anybody? In taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off. Oblivious to God. God, what a sad life. You just got so distracted and wore out by life and the day-to-day obligations that he dozed off and lost track of God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Don't get left behind on what God's doing, His plan. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Stop wasting time. We must not squander these precious daylight hours. What's He trying to say? You don't have that long. The older I get, the more I realize that. The the faster I see my kids grow up, the more it reminds me, (laughs) you don't got much time. 
It goes fast. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours and frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything inside. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. He said, get up, get dressed, create, live the life I gave you. Be happy. God wants you to have joy. Look at Psalm 39, 5. Wake up. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. Breath. And mine age as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Psalm 90, 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they may be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. Saying, well, what does it matter? You're going to, you're going to live your life and then it's going to be gone. And we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? So is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That's what I'm talking about. God, teach me to number my days. I'm tired of wasting minutes and moments and hours and, and spending a day and a week and not investing and not creating and not putting myself in a position to give and bless and leave things better than I found them. God, teach me how to number my days. God, teach me how to take my last $8 and spend it on the things that matter. And pour it out on my relationship with you and my kids and my church and the lost and the broken and the things that I want to spend my money on. God, teach me to number my days. Teach us to take advantage of how our days and our time are spent. Why? So we can apply our hearts unto wisdom. I want to live with wisdom. How do we use the time wisely? How do we become the people we want to be? Setting up the right habits and systems. We set them in place now. And we'll have great impact in the future. Where will you be in five years? Think about it for a second. Where are you going to be in five years? Same place you are, just a little more wrinkly. Maybe a little heavier. I mean, 
really, spiritually, physically, mentally, so what, where in, in ministry, how many people will you have helped five years from now? More importantly, here's the more important question. Zach said, I'll tell you where I won't be in five years, sitting right here. <laughs> See you, bud. <laughs> more importantly, who will you be in five years? Where you will be is really a result of who you are. So what habits and system am I, systems am I setting in place today that are going to make me into the man I want to be? The man that I'm called to be, the man that God created me to be. We got to set up some habits. We got to set up some systems to get us to where we need to be. Most of what you do isn't a result of conscious choices, but of daily habits. Duke University did a study in 2006, and they proved that. 40% of what you do in an average day's time is not a result of decisions that you've made, but of habits that you've already set into place. 40% of the things you do in a day are not decisions you make. It's just going through the motions of habits that you've already set up. It's not even a decision. You just do it because that's what you do. Do what you do. And the scary thing is, it can be a good thing or a bad thing. You're just going to keep doing what you do. 40%. James Clear, expert on habits, and he's wrote a couple books and stuff. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. It's great. You got some big high goals, but... You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What you've set in place to get you to those goals. Funny thing is, when you think about it, we all have similar goals. Really? I mean, and, and what kind of got me thinking about all this was it being January and everybody comes up with New Year's resolutions and 92% of Americans have failed and quit their New Year's resolutions by Valentine's Day. 92%. When I was thinking about the goals and the resolutions, and it got me thinking about it when I was in the gym and had to wait in line for a dumbbell. Gym's packed out in January. and then You hold on for about six weeks, and it'll be back empty again, me and three other dudes. Like, I mean, that's kind of what what got me thinking about it. But we all have the same goals. If you ask everybody, well, what do you what are your goals for this year? Well, I want to be healthy in some way or another. There's different ways that some of us need to be healthy, or some of us, but we would want to be healthy. Or, hey, I want to have a strong marriage, good relationship with my spouse, or I want to get a spouse. Those of you that aren't married, or but that can be kind of like a goal. We, we, we want to be financially comfortable and stable. We want to be okay to where we can help and bless other people. We would all agree on that. Like, yeah, I want, 
I want to be good as far as my finances go. And like we all have pretty much the same goal, but, but when you play a game, the winner and the loser had the same goal. You know, I mean, we can go outside and play football. And we're all going to have the same goal when we have the first kickoff. We all want to win. But half of us are going to win and half of us, whatever half of y'all is on the other team is going to lose. Right? Winners and losers, they all have the same goal. So the fact that we all have the same goals, that's... That's wonderful. I'm great. I, I'm glad that we have some some similar goals. You want a good marriage? I want a good marriage. Now, how do I set up the right habits and systems to make that happen, to be a good husband? We don't plan on failure. Never seen anybody go into a marriage thinking, huh, well, it's sure going to be a struggle. We'll probably get divorced in about four years, but I guess it'll be worth it. No, you're planning on having a good marriage when you get married. Hopefully, if not, there's help for that. Not me, I'm not qualified. I'll give you some phone numbers. Think about college football this year. Hundreds of teams had the same goal. Only one team's happy right now. One of them. Out of all them teams, guess what? Alabama is a great football team with great coaches, and they went all year and were undefeated, but they're not even happy right now. They got second place. That's pretty good. Out of hundreds of teams, you got second place. Pretty good. You think Nick Saban's happy? No, sir. He is not a happy man. And I'm sure he let the players know it. They're, they're not happy with second because the goal was first, no less. They're not good with fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. No, no, one team's happy. The same guy, James Clear, he says, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. I was thinking about people in the Bible that that set up systems and goals and how Jesus would go away, spend time with his father. His system was prayer. He would go away and recharge. And I was thinking about Daniel. You remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? If I ask you, you probably would think Daniel and the... Right. That's what he's most famous for. Daniel in the lion's den. This dude, he got thrown into a den full of hungry lions and they didn't eat him. They, they were apparently on the Daniel fast. Church jokes. <laughs> All right, so they didn't eat him, right? And uh, That's what we know him for, but how did he get there? How did he have that much power? Like if you look at a little bit of his story, um, Daniel 6 I didn't even give that one to, I don't think I even gave that scripture to Peg. But uh, I'll just kind of tell you, in case you don't know, but Daniel 
there were 120 leaders selected out of all the people. And Daniel was the best out of all 120. And Daniel loved God, and he was a Jew, and the king wasn't, and all these other people weren't, these other leaders weren't. But somehow, Daniel rose to the top. The king thought he was awesome. He was excellent in everything that he did. He was awake, alive, creating, seizing the moments. He wasn't wasting time. He, he rose to the top, just like so many other people, like Joseph. So Daniel stood out. How? If you look at Daniel, um, you can go read the story in, in Daniel 6, uh, reading all through there, but verse, verse 10, check this out. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, see they couldn't, they tried to find a way to accuse Daniel or catch him doing something wrong or get him, and they couldn't find anything except for that he was devoted to God. So uh, they made a rule that if you didn't worship the king, uh, you didn't do what he said, he'd get thrown into, the, thrown into the den of hungry lions. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, writing that said you can't worship anybody else but their king, he went to his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He already had the system in place that three times a day I'm going to stop, I'm going to reset, I'm going to give thanks to God, I'm going to honor my God. That was his system to be the man that he wanted to be. That was the system that became a habit in his life. And I said, this is the man I'm going to be. I'm a Jew. I'm going to honor my God. And three times a day, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing. I'm going to go into my house. I'm going to kneel down with my window open facing towards Jerusalem. And I'm going to give thanks to God. That was his system. And so when things changed and the law changed and the world changed and they tried to attack him and tried to hurt him, guess what? He stuck to the system. Because that was the man he was supposed to be. He had a system. He had a pattern. He had habits that helped him be the man he wanted to be. So where or who will you be in five years? The systems and habits that you set up today, they'll determine your future. They'll determine who and where you'll be. You know, in five years, you could learn a new language. You could be fluent in another language. I recommend Spanish. <laughs> you may need it. All right. <laughs> Um, don't talk about the wall. Don't talk about the wall. You could get a degree. You could, re you really could. I work a job. I've, a, yeah, but you could make that happen. If you focused some energy on that and there's night school, there's online school, there's all kind of things. You could have a college degree 
in five years if you wanted to. If you set up habits and systems, you could get a new skill. You could master a sport. Decide I'm going to become a sword fighter. Or fencing, I think they call that. I practiced fencing for years to try to go to the Olympics and then realized it was the wrong kind of fencing I was doing. I'm pretty good at barbed wire. <laughs> I mean, you could really master a sport. You could, you could run a marathon easily. Five years, you could probably win one if you, if you focused and trained for five years. Right? You, five years is enough time, even without much money, you could flip a house. If you focused on it and you invested, you know, if you save $20 a week, oh, I can't save. I know no way I'll ever get out of this debt. No way I'm... If you save $20 a week for five years, that's $5,200. You can go buy, buy you a pretty decent little vehicle for that with no payment. You know you can read 60 books by just reading about roughly six pages a day. You could have 60 books completed. Some of y'all say, well, I wish I could read. The, I wish I had more time to read the Bible. I wish I could memorize more scripture or read the Bible all the way through and get more knowledge on, on the scripture. Do you realize that if you made that your goal and your habit, if that's something you wanted to do, if you read two chapters a day, it's pretty doable. I mean, if you got up 30 minutes earlier in the morning and read, I recommend one old, one new, but hey, however you want to do it, especially when you're going through Leviticus, it's nice to be having one in like John or somewhere than the begats. Begat, 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 begat. But it all points back towards Christ. So if you read one old and one new a day in five years, you could read through the whole entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation three times. But for a lot of you, five years will pass and you'll still think, hey, one day I'm going to try to read the whole Bible. Now, there's also the negative list. I mean, I've been giving you the positive things you could do in five years, but there's also in five years you could be like you know, on your fifth year of your prison sentence or, <laughs> I mean, picking up the pieces from your divorce from spending five years neglecting your spouse or you could be in a life-threatening situation from a drug addiction. Five years is enough time to lose everything. You could be 50 pounds heavier than you are. You could be... You could smoke 36,500 cigarettes, and that's only one pack a day. Almost 40,000 cigarettes in five years. It's 
Somebody asked me if they were, you believe, uh, what, what do you believe about cigarettes? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I believe about cigarettes? I don't smoke them. No, I meant, like, to go to heaven. Like, to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I believe they'll get you there much faster. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're speeding up your ticket. You're speeding up the process. <laughs> they'll get you there quick. Step it up to two packs a day, you'll get there a whole lot sooner. <laughs> In five years, you could become a legend at Fortnite. be one heck of a video game player what are you going to do what are you going to invest in what are you going to spend your time on what do you want to be who do you want to be you are what you eat you become like what you watch and you reap what you sow proverbs eleven twenty four. And we're almost done. We'll wrap it up. Proverbs eleven twenty four. We'll read it to you in the Message Bible. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I told you a minute ago. That's who I want to be. I want to be generous. I want to be known as generous. That I left things better than I found them that I gave to everyone I came in contact with, whether, whether it was stuff or time or help or healing or I want to be generous. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I want to, build, I want to live a big life. I don't want to live this little bitty tunnel vision life that's just about me or me and mine. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others, they're helped. Nobody ever helps me. I wish I had more influence. Well, I wish I had more time, or money, Are you making a sacrifice to live a generous life? Curses on those who drive a hard bargain. Curses. Blessings on all who play fair and square. The one who seeks good finds delight. If you're looking for it, you're going to find it. Seek and you'll find The student of evil becomes evil. Simple. Second Peter 3. Peter said this. This old big mouth Peter. He's a little older now though. Later in life he's calmed down some. It says in Second Peter 3 verse 8. Don't overlook the obvious here friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. God isn't late with His promise, as some measure lateness. 
He is restraining Himself on account of you. Holding back the end because He doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. He's giving you time. Wake up. Get it right. You get another chance. I messed it up yesterday. I've wasted my dollars. He's like, it's okay. My mercies are renewed every morning. Get up. You got another chance. Let's go. I wrote some notes on here. So what do we need to do to set these habits and systems in place? We need to think about who it is we want to be, what we want to do. And then set some real practical ways. I recommend small things. You make it too big, you're going to quit. You know, competing without keeping score is just practicing. Even if you love bowling, you'll only bowl through a sheet for so long. How fun is that? You can't see the pins. You don't know what you're knocking down. You roll it and it goes behind the sheet and you hear, I think I got six. I think it was two. What are you saying? Draw with bright lines. Make it clear what it is that you want to do and who you want to be to yourself so that you can get some good, clear steps. See, that's the problem is a lot of times we make it blurry. Why? Because we're afraid to commit. So we make our lines real blurry so they're easy to whether you're talking about diet or what I'm going to do in my ministry or my marriage or with my finances. See, we make things real blurry because we're afraid to commit. Like, uh, I'm going to eat less this year. Blurry. Less than what? A wildebeest? I mean, I'm talking about myself. That doesn't work for me, and I've found that out. If I'm not real clear on it, and for me, myself, I have to voice it. I have to go to Jesse and be like, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm not doing. So now I've said it. I have to draw bright lines. I'm not going to drink as much this year. When it's blurry, we, we justify. Well, I was drinking an average of 12 a week, so if I don't drink any more this week, I could drink 12 beers right now. Blurry. <laughs> right, we've not drawn clear lines of what it is we want to do to get us where we want to be or to be who we want to be. So draw some bright lines. Some clear lines. It's better to make it small and do it with consistency. You want to get in better shape? Trust me, 
don't set your goal as like, I'm going to do a thousand push-ups a day for this whole year. Tomorrow, you'll quit if you get them today. <laughs> Make it one. One push-up. You can do that. But then the crazy thing is, what happens is, you start doing one, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to double up today. And you start feeling good, and you pump out two. Yeah. I'm going to double my double. You get four. Make it something that you can do. The score matters. Shoot, we'll watch a football game at the house, and Sky, he'll just run in the room every once in a while. Him and Zeke will run in while we're watching the Falcons game on Sundays, and they'll run in and be like, what's the score? Tell them the score, they run back out. That's all they cared about. They don't care what plays happen, who caught the ball, who got a touchdown. They just want to know the score. Tell them we're winning, we're losing. They run back out of the room. Are you winning? Do you know if you're winning? If you haven't drawn clear lines, you may not even know if you're winning. You're just living life. You're just going through life. I don't even know who I want to be, so I don't know if I'm winning or not. I'm not keeping score. I got no measurable data. I've never given anything to help anybody but myself, so no, I'm not doing better or worse. Not even keeping score. The author of the book called Habit Suicide, it's a pretty good book, says, missing once when setting good habits. Missing once is going to happen. If I set up my good habits, my good goal, my good system, things are going to happen. I'm going to miss it. So he says, missing once is going to happen. Missing twice is habit suicide. Because then after you've missed it twice, then it's like, oh, well, whatever, it's over, and then you just quit. Lots of our goals that we set in life are means goals, meaning they have a means to an end. So how do I tell if the goals that I'm setting in my life or that I have in place um, are means goals? If they have a means to an end, it'll have a so at the end of it. I'm buying this truck so I can start this business. I'm saving this money so I can buy a ring. I'm taking college courses so I can be a doctor. And that's fine. But if all of our goals are soul goals, then our satisfaction, our joy, our completion is always in the future. It's always there somewhere. Well, when I finally get done with this, then I'll get that. And I'm doing this schooling so I can be that. I'm, I'm saving this money so I can get that. Then then it's always it's putting off our satisfaction and our completion and our joy to the future.
the habits and the systems that we set up then become temporary. I'm only going to keep doing this until I get the so, and then I'm done with it. Like I'm going to quit. I'm going to set up this system, or I'm going to save money until I get enough for a double ice cream cone, and then I'm not going to save money anymore. I suggest to you that you put some goals in your life and think about who do I want to be? What are some habits and systems that will mold you into that? These aren't some that are just going to go away when you get there because they're going to mold you. Year after year, there's going to just stay systems and habits in your life. Like Daniel, three times a day, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray because that's the man I want to be. They don't have a means to an end. I'm going to exercise X amount of times a week. I'm going to physically, mentally, spiritually, this is who I want to be, so this is what I'm going to do. Set it up. Jesse asked me last week, who are you? Not really something you want to hear from your wife. <laughs> and she said it with some attitude too, not just like a question like, who are you? Speak your heart. It was like a who are you? Who are you right now? You know that tone that y'all probably all heard her say, seriously? It was that tone. <laughs> who are you? It turned out to be a good thing because she was talking about some boldness that I have that I didn't used to have. Willing to say things to people that need to be said or ask things of people that I would have never done before. Um, last week, last Saturday, I went and spoke at Liberty Church in Marietta to a big group of men. And there's all kind of men in there. There, there are pastors in there and church leaders and ministry leaders and everybody from all kind of people in there. Right? And, and I used to, would have been really intimidated to the point of being sick to even think that I had to go stand up in front of them on a certain topic and, you know, spend this amount of time and stand up and talk. And I was sitting there, and they were doing a little bit of worship and their announcements and stuff like that, and I was sitting on the front row, and I had my Bible and my notebook, and I was looking down at, at my Bible, and I looked at my notes that are like, nobody could understand them. I had a guy look at my notes when we were sitting at the table, and he was like, what in the world is that? How do you even read that? I'm, Don't worry about it, dude. And I sat there looking at my notes before I walked up there on the stage, and I was thinking, if they only knew how heavily I rely on the Spirit. <laughs> and uh, so I went up there, and I gave them some gifts. I gave them the gift of laughter. 
got them all laughing. And I gave them the gift of tears. You know, sometimes you need to cry. You need to to let it out, especially that big group of men. I gave them the gift of tears, and then I gave them some thoughts that could change who they are. And afterwards, several guys came up to me and said different stuff. And uh, um, there was another guy that wasn't there, and he's kind of like supposed to be over me on this weekend that we've got coming up, the spiritual director that's over me. And so he came back Wednesday and was asking them how it went. And they're telling them, they're kind of like reporting how I did back to him. And they'll make like critique sheets and stuff like that. They didn't make them. They didn't have any on me. And he came up to this guy, Lee, and he said, Lee, were you here Saturday? He said, yeah. And he's like, how'd Dusty do? He said, oh, you want to know how he did? I'll tell you how he did. He uh, he said he walked up there, he grabbed the microphone, and he held his hands like he was holding a baseball bat. And he said, he pointed at what he was about to do. And then, pow! It went in the trees. That's how he did. Tim was like, okay, well, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, hey, Lee, love you. He's listening. <laughs> uh, I say that to say I, it went really well and a lot of people came up and, and said a lot of different things to me. One, I told while I was preaching and speaking to them, I gave a little bit of testimony um, just about some things that I've been through and things that discourage me or kind of stop me from speaking, from preaching or from standing up and talking to people and the discouraging words that were spoken over me. And uh, so that was part of it. And so this guy, uh, Scott, he came up to me afterwards and he said, I'm glad you didn't quit. I'm proud of you. And the one that told you you weren't called to that, he was wrong. And he just kind of gave me a hug. But really, what Scott doesn't know is I wasn't good when I started. <laughs> you might not have even been wrong. I mean, I wasn't a very good preacher. I was called, but I wasn't skilled. I was so nervous I had to run into the bathroom before I came up here to preach for 10 minutes. What happened? I had to figure it out. I had to put systems in place. Even when working a 50, 60 hour a week job in Atlanta, I had to make habits of studying and learning and writing and figuring out how to make notes and figuring out how to apply stories and figuring out how to read the Word and getting more knowledgeable on Scriptures and learning how to stand up and how to speak to people and how to, like, I had to set up systems. I had to set up patterns. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago that they've proven that excitement and anxiety produce the exact same chemicals in your brain and in your body. The same thing. 
excitement and anxiety. The difference is your perspective. One's positive, one's negative. One helps you perform and one kills performance. Now it's exciting to me. I love standing up and speaking. What used to make me sick and run to the bathroom, now I look down and my veins are poking out like my adrenaline starts pumping if I got something good to say. It's a fun thing. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's my purpose. It's a different perspective. But guess what? Remember I told you it takes 10,000 hours of practice, focused attention and effort to be world-class or be a professional. It's going to be a good year. But you got to set up some systems and some habits. You know, I've been pastoring for 10 years. I've been pastoring the church for 10 years. And so I tried to just kind of add that up. That's about 520 weeks. So I've preached over 700 messages in 10 years. Um, And since I was working, I do more than this now, but since I was working, I tried to just figure out an average that would be pretty close from when I was working at the mattress factory. So I figured I've studied and worked on messages at least 20 hours a week. And it's probably been a little more than that. But 20 hours a week for 520 weeks is about 10,400 hours. I've studied. So I'm happy to announce I'm finally a professional preacher. All right. (laughs) No. You know, last year in Brawl for a Cause, a lot of you saw it, but there towards the end, I dropped my hands and got my nose busted because I had my hands down here and not up here. And why? Because I hadn't, I didn't practice it enough. It wasn't instinct. It wasn't a habit. I got screamed at about that yesterday. Got to form a habit. You got to put in the time. It takes 21 days to form a habit. So if you set up a system and a habit to make you who you want to be and do it for 21 days, it could be something small. It needs to be something small. I'm not going to hit the snooze button ever again. What could it, I mean, you know what it needs to be for you. Do it for 21 days, and you'll form that habit. God's our Father, and and we don't have to go into it and talk about, but a father invests in his children. You have many, a whole bunch of instructors, Paul said, but you don't have many fathers. A father is someone that will invest that's looking for nothing in return. I'm going to pour into you because you're my kid. 
And that's it. I don't want you to pay me back. I don't need you. I'm going to give to Malachi, Titus, and Scott because they're my boys. I'm going to pour into them my time, my money. They don't have to pay me back. When I buy so much orange juice and toilet paper a week, it's ridiculous. I don't know why I picked those two things, but Titus is, for some reason, Titus has been on an orange juice kick. Jesse had to put a limit on him. I'm serious. She bought a what a one gallon thing of orange juice last what was it Saturday, and it was gone by Sunday, Monday morning. There was no orange juice left. Him and Sky were sitting there pouring out the last cup, evening it out. So they both got some. What was I even saying? Oh, a father will pour into his kids and not ask for anything in return. And God's our Father, and He's pouring into us, and He wants the best for us physically, mentally, spiritually. He wants us to live big lives. He wants us to live generous lives. He wants us to be happy and joyful and fruitful. He's investing in you because you're His kid, not because He wants to get something out of you. Now, the one He loves, He disciplines. So, yeah, you'll get disciplined sometimes. Do you see it? Do you believe it? If so, you should be investing in other people. You should be pouring in and investing your time in other people. Abraham Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend six hours sharpening my axe. If I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend six hours sharpening my axe rather than sweating it out with a with a dull axe. That's what this is all about. God, I want to be sharp. God, I don't want to waste effort trying to do what you've called me to do, trying to chop down this massive tree that's in front of me and waste the next 35 years trying to chop this bad boy down if I could just sharpen my axe, if I could be smart with how I invest my time, if I could set some habits and some systems into place that are going to make me effective so that one swing does more damage than 30 swings. Why? Because I've set up systems and habits to be effective. I want to make the biggest impact possible. I want to leave things better than I found them. How will I do that? In relationship. Iron sharpens iron. Wood doesn't sharpen iron. Iron sharpens iron. The word, the sword, a file, Sometimes in relationship, make me effective. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to never mess up. I need you to be faithful and steady. Faithful and steady. Set up some systems. Be somebody that can be counted on. Do what you say you're going to do. 
get up tomorrow morning and do the things you need to do to be the man you want to be or woman. Set up some systems. Set up some habits. Be faithful and steady. Believe what God said about you and act on it. Create. Last thought. Do you know you can take, I wish I had a way to illustrate this because it would be a cool illustration, but you can take a domino that is one millimeter tall. Millimeters, a good bit smaller than an inch. I think two and a half millimeters go into an inch or something, so that's small. One millimeter tall. All right. Now, if I could take that domino and do one and a half times that size, then the next one's one and a half times that size, one and a half times, you get it. Each domino is one and a half times taller and heavier than the one before it. When I got up to number 13 from starting at one millimeter, when I got up to the 13th domino, it would be three feet tall and weigh 100 pounds. And you can push over that little bitty one millimeter domino and it's just heavy enough to knock over the one one and a half times bigger. And that one's just heavy enough to knock over the one one and a half times bigger than it. And you get where I'm going. It'll run straight down the line and knock over a three foot tall 100 pound domino that started with a one millimeter domino. Problem is, we want to take that one millimeter domino where we're at right now, what I have that I can work with right now, and we go up to the big three foot tall 100 pound domino and we want to sit in front of it and be like, I want a good marriage. Nothing's happening. I guess I'm getting divorced. No, you stop being a jerk. You set some systems in place. You set some things in place. And over the years, it gets bigger. And the momentum builds. And you become powerful. And you become impactful. And and you're the guy, you're Paul Bunyan swinging that axe. Not this old dull, you got a sharp axe. You're powerful. But you got to set those systems in place. This is who I want to be. And this is how I'm going to get there. Let's pray. God, we hear you. We don't want to be procrastinators. We apparently can't even say that word. Sure don't want to be it. God thinks that we can just be comfortable. We can come into your house and we can sit around and talk like brothers and sisters and friends and family just discussing life and how to be more effective and how to have a greater impact and how to help more people and how to how to love each other better because we're not perfect. 
We know that. We know we could do better in a lot of areas. But I thank you that you're teaching us and that you're growing us. And, and I, for one, am not satisfied with where I am mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. God, I invite you to help me grow. Show me the habits and systems that I need to set in place and then give me the discipline to walk it out. The strength to take action. God, forgive me for the times that I've run, that I've run away from a challenge or I let fear lead me. God, make us brave. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.